by one, 13 seconds to go. Gordon will inbound. Comes into Saki. Saki with Clemens on him. We're down to eight seconds to go. He got to attack. Saki to Kaiser. Kaiser driving. He jumped it underneath Gordon. Laid it in. Three seconds to go. It's Clemens in the backcourt. Clemens will have to launch from half court. No good. And Bob by Lindsay. Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball and the Missouri Valley Conference. I'm your host, Paul Oren, and you can find me in St. Louis all week and on Twitter at NWI Oren. I'm here alongside Carl Berner once again, and you can find these episodes and all episodes of Union Street Hoops on NWI.com, Apple Pods, Spotify, SoundCloud, and really wherever your local podcasts are made. Carl, it's semifinal Saturday. And Valpo's still playing. We've rolled our way into the semis. You said it, man. (laughs) All right. There's the first Big Lebowski reference. Incredible. There's been many Big Lebowski references already this weekend, as well as, uh, you know, a lot of fun. Having a good time here in St. Louis. Valpo wins. There's a lot to unpack here. They're playing Missouri State for the right to go to the Arch Madness Championship game on Sunday, nationally televised game, with, again, the right to go to the NCAA tournament. A lot of ball game left, 80 minutes to go. Valpo has uh, acquitted themselves quite nicely here. They've had some ups and downs this season. They've had some ups and downs this weekend so far. But the weekend hasn't even really started. It's Saturday. Valpo's playing Missouri State, a team they split with twice in the regular season. Uh, Lost at Missouri State by 7 in January. And then just about a week and a half ago, Valpo destroyed Missouri State at home without Javon Freeman Liberty. You wonder what Valpo team is going to show up tonight. They've been, uh, they're exhausted. Donovan Clay played 42 minutes last night. Ryan Fazekas played 38. A host of others played 31 minutes. Nobody from Missouri State had to play more than 30 minutes against Indiana State in their late night beatdown of the Sycamores. We'll get into all that in a little bit. But Carl, let's go back to Valpo Loyola because I feel like we have to start there, right? We can start there, absolutely. Uh, and what a day of hoops, like all day long. What a day at Arch Madness. Um, I mean, we can talk about the Valpo game. What I can't believe is that you got the two seed and the one seed both getting bounced in the quarters. That's never happened. Never happened before. And on top of it, the three seed lost as well. And the four seed was within 30 seconds of falling. Mm-hmm. Arch chaos is what we were looking at last night. Throw that chalk away. Yeah, the chalk is done. <laughs> the chalk, the is, chalk gone. is gone. Uh, So, yeah, the day started with Northern Iowa falling down big early to Drake, down 10 at the half. And really, I thought Drake could have stretched that lead to even bigger at the end of the first half. They made a couple of bad plays. Northern Iowa was resilient. And then Northern Iowa chipped away, and they got it to within two early in the second half. And they had many chances. They had like five possessions in a row to take the lead, and they could never get over the hump. And then Roman Penn, the Bishop Noel grad, later played at Don Bosco, played the game of his life, 26 points, a back-breaking late shot clock three-pointer after Anthony Murphy from Griffith was able to dive on the ground, kind of kick the ball forward to Penn. Penn buries the three, breaks Northern Iowa's spirit. Drake advances. And you said it, Carl, never before in the history of the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament, which has been around for a long time, has a number one seed fallen in the quarterfinals. That, yeah, that's never happened, and we saw it. 
with authority yesterday. And who would have thought you would have seen Northern Iowa go over nine minutes in the second half without a field goal? They were they were out of their element. To, to say it bluntly. Another reference to uh, the uh, Big Lebowski. They were out of their element because they didn't, they're didn't. they not accustomed to playing and, down and that much. Ben yeah. Jacobson said that in the post-game press conference. He said, we haven't been in this position all year. We've never been in a position where we've been down 8 or 10 points. This is a team that beat nationally ranked Colorado earlier this year. They've played in some big games. They've done well. They did slip up four times in the conference tournament. And now as we sit here, we think... Can they get in as an at-large? I think you really needed to win at least. I mean, certainly a quarterfinal game. I even think Northern Iowa needed to get to the title game, and they needed to lose to Loyola in Mm -hmm. the title game. Yeah, losing to anybody else might not have gotten you in. Loyola losing to Valpo hurts Northern Iowa's cause because it drops Loyola down a little bit. They're right on the bubble of a quad, the top 100 team there. And Indiana State losing also hurts Northern Iowa because Indiana State was right on the bubble of being a top 100 team. So uh, Northern Iowa did not have a good day to start, and it got worse and worse as the day goes on. Now, that said, Ben Jacobson after the game said, look, we have a four-month resume that we feel pretty confident about. But and and then he but he didn't sugarcoat it. He said today this loss is part of that resume. And so I appreciated the fact that he he owned the fact. That, look, we lost, we're, and he didn't blindly say we're a tournament team. You need to take us. He said we've done a lot of great work for four months, and then we didn't do great things today. And that's all part of who we are. And he talked about the team sheets and all of that stuff. And it'll be interesting. I don't think Northern Iowa gets in. Sim, I think they should be in, but I think because of what the NCAA does, I don't think you're going to see Northern Iowa in the NCAA tournament. And if so, it'll be as part of a first four in Dayton. And again, I think this team can win some games. It just couldn't win yesterday. They absolutely uh, sort of fell apart. They had a lid on the basket there in the second half. Nothing would go for them. And again, as you said, too much Roman Penn. I mean, that guy just took over the ball game in the second half. You know, it's fun in March when you see guys who refuse to lose. And we're going to get to another one here in a little bit by the name of John Kaiser. But when guys refuse to lose. And in the Bradley-Southern Illinois game, we saw that with Daryl Brown. A guy who has had a great career for Bradley, led the Braves to the NCAA tournament last year, made no bones about the fact he wasn't happy with some of the all-league all selections. He got on Twitter earlier this week. He talked about how he was frustrated that Nate Cannell was named third team and couldn't even get second team. He was boosting up his teammates. And his final tweet in the whole thing was, it'll get it sorted out this weekend. And I actually, I, I, I love guys who take some ownership, right? And he came out, and Southern Illinois, give them credit, they played so well, and Daryl Brown, in the final moments of that game, took over, made some plays, Elijah Childs, Nate Cannell, they've got a good team. Bradley is the highest remaining seed, the four seed left. You'd think that they would be the favorites just because of that. I... I have some thoughts as to who I think the favorites are right now, but Bradley is certainly in the conversation. That's going to be—it's going to be two good games today. Where they're going to be very competitive, uh, and uh, I'm interested to see how that one plays out as well. Because you go into it thinking Bradley, but Drake's hot. They are really hot right now. Bradley and Drake are the two longest tenured members of America's Renaissance Conference, the Missouri Valley Conference, and they have been around for a long, long time. I think they've played each other something like 155 times. They—they're uh, not the fierce rivals that maybe Bradley and Illinois State are, or 
you know, that you even see in, in you know, Indiana State, Evansville, anything like that. But there's certainly a, uh, an, a familiarity between those two programs. Uh, and again, we talked about Missouri State a little bit in the late game. They just they took it to Indiana State. And, and my thought is that Missouri State, when they want to be, can be very, very good. And I say that they, they, are, they are known as a team that if you jump on them early – they get frustrated and they kind of fold a little bit. And they did the jumping against Indiana State. They came out, they were hot early. And when you see Gage Prim, one of the top JUCO players in the country a year ago, and you see some of their other guys that they have, they had a balanced kind of contributions across the board. Keandre Cook, who is really arguably their best player, but he comes off the bench. Uh, they they had a, a good good loaded a 78-51 win who stood out to you in that game Carl well to me uh, outside of Gage Prim doing his thing and he did and that's uh, he's going to be a load in there uh, for anyone uh, to handle as you mentioned uh, he's all over the boards he takes it right to the paint he'll knock you around in there but to me the most impressive thing is uh, the lift that Missouri State got from their bench three bench players with double figures that to me is the difference in the game yeah and I, again you know you've got you've got Keandre Cook, who is a guy who normally should be starting, he scored 13 points. Lamont West, the transfer from West Virginia, who really put it on Valpo when Valpo played West Virginia last year, had 30-some-odd points in that game. He had 14. Isaiah Mosley, their freshman, 10 points in 18 minutes. You'll hear from Dana Ford later on in the podcast. I'm going to throw a quick interview that I grabbed with him right outside of his locker room after they won. And I asked him, look, you look at the minutes, Carl. No one played more than 27 minutes. Josh Hall played 27 minutes. Ross Owens played 26 minutes. And Keandre Cook played 26 minutes. But other than that, and they're a deep team. And and you'll hear from Dana Ford and what he had to say about that later on. All right, let's go into the big one, the main event. Valpo and Loyola. Valpo came out strong in this game. We talked about can they get off to a good start. And at Loyola earlier this year, they did get off to a good start. Familiar pattern, though. Loyola turned it on late in the first half and went into halftime with a 14-point lead. I think it was a 14-point lead. And it looked it looked lost for Valpo. Yeah, 36-22 at the break. Keith Clemens scored 17 points in the first half. His career high coming into the game was 25. He got to 28 points, but he scored 17 in the first half. Valpo did a great job on Cam Crutwig to start off the game, but Keith Clemens was, as the kids say, in his bag, or he was on one. Keith Clemens was excellent in the first half. At halftime, Carl, what were you thinking? At halftime... Honestly, I was thinking, well, it's been a good season for Valpo. They've, they've gotten a little bit further than they did last year. Uh, and, I, you know, I was downplaying it in my mind because I didn't want, you know, I didn't want the disappointment to overwhelm the evening uh, because I just wanted to mainly just enjoy continuing to watch basketball. But at halftime, you just, gotta, you just sort of got a sense that, you know, this is one of those things. But in the back of your mind, in the back of your mind, and I even said it, uh, to uh, Steve Rhodes, whom I was watching the uh, game with, uh, along with uh, his wife. Uh, we've come back. We've done this. We've been in this position before. So if any team in the Valley is going to come back and take that lead with, a, with this big of a deficit, it's probably Valpo. Loyola ran it up to an 18-point lead with 15.44 left after Tom Welch knocked down. Tom Welch knocked down. 
his second three-pointer of the year. And that was the moment where I thought, it's over. The 18-point The 18 lead, points yes. in that Welch, you got guys, Welch and Clemens are making these plays, and I just thought, how on earth? You've done everything right. You've shut down Crutwig. Williamson's not doing a whole lot. Tate Hall hasn't taken a lot of shots. You've done everything you're supposed to do to beat Loyola, and Keith Clemens is going off, and Tom Welch is hitting a three-pointer. And then, a couple seconds later, Ben Cricky misses a three-pointer, grabs the rebound, goes up for a layup in a scrum, gets smacked across the face... And he gets up, shakes it off, knocks down two free throws. Valpo keeps the ball. Now, Saki misses a layup, and, and Loyola scores on the other end. But it felt like, you know, Valpo got four points on that possession, all from Cricky. And the fact that he's got a giant welt on his face, and he stands up, brushes himself off, and makes the free throws. I've read this online. I heard this from two people last night. Maybe reminiscent of... That game at Detroit, the big comeback, when Bobby Capabianco got ejected, and it it really pushed the team forward a little bit. Now again, you know Loyola put it up to a 16-point lead right after that, but Cricky and his resolve there, it felt like a big moment. It did feel like a big moment because of the uh, because of the uh, the extra foul shots and the extra possession that you got out of it. Um, and sort of when something like that ha- happens, you get hit in the face, you get injured or something like that, and then you step up and you do your deed, make the free throws. Uh, that can galvanize a team. Something like that can really bring a team together. Um, and we talked about it, though, really. I, I don't want to turn the page so quickly uh, you know, toward a different topic. However, we talked about how big the freshmen were on Thursday. It was Freshman Thursday. It was Senior Friday. I mean, the resolve of those two guys. Without Fazekas, without Kaiser, you're not in the semifinal. A couple moments later, Kaiser missed a three-pointer. It was Clay with the offensive rebound who kicked it back over to Fazekas, who buried a three-pointer to cut it to 11. And again, as as you said, these seniors, they just kept fighting, right? Saki gets a gets a jump shot a couple minutes or a couple seconds later, and now it's a single digit deficit with 12 and a half minutes to go. And when you get it to single digits now mentally, you've cut the lead in half. Now it's time to, to keep going to work. Saki gets it down to seven with a couple of free throws. Uh, Pax and Wojcik, again, these guys, Loyola keeps throwing their deep players at Valpo, and he makes a layup. Cricky comes right on back, and now they're trading layups back and forth for a while, and Valpo is really struggling to make up any ground. They keep cutting it to seven, but they can't get over the hump. And even, you know, with four and a half minutes left to go, Lucas Williamson with a layup on a fast break after a turnover by Fazekas, it's back to 10. And now it's Valpo made their run. They, they, they did everything they needed to do to get back in the game, and Loyola's not letting it happen. And, and, and I, I said this on the broadcast, Loyola is, they're a well-coached team. They know the run's coming. They've seen the run before from Valpo. And with about four minutes left, 4.17 left, when Lucas Williamson stole the ball and went and laid it in, I thought, it's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you did get a sense that maybe, yeah, we've made our run and, the, you know, this could be it. However... I mentioned this, uh, we made a huge deal about this uh, in the last two podcasts. We talked about the free throw disparity. Uh, and if you look at the numbers from, uh, from this game, 
it was right on the money. Loyola got to the line way more than Valpo did in this ball game, and that is exactly the way it went in their two regular season games this year. But one thing that I remember saying yesterday is that you, if you get Loyola to the free throw line, they are probably going to miss a couple of free throws, and that could be their undoing. I remember saying that, and it turns out that that was a huge thing because there were a couple of huge front ends of one-and-ones that were missed with uh, with a few minutes remaining in the second half. And Porter Moser said this after the game. He said, you know, if for whatever reason we're, we, we make them in practice, we can't make them in the games, and we have been playing with fire all year, and it finally got us. Fizikas buries a three-pointer to cut it to seven with 4.08 left. Valpo gets a couple, gets some stops, and but credit Loyola because they kept grabbing offensive rebounds. Ugok missed the layup, Crutwig got the rebound. Crutwig missed the layup, Valpo gets the ball. Freeman Liberty misses the three pointer. He just was so off, and and I, it's so odd to think that we're sitting here right now talking about Valpo winning, knowing how bad. He played. He missed a three-pointer with three and a half minutes left. Kaiser missed one with 240 left. Those two three-point misses were wide-open shots. And when those didn't go in, I thought, it's not going to happen. Well, (laughs) as they say, you have to find a way. You have to play with whatever players you have out there. And this this situation this year with Javon Freeman-Liberty. Now, he is a much better player in this comparison. But it reminds me of what happened when Keith Carter got hurt. Yes. When E. Victor Nickerson had to step up and be point guard. So now you've got a completely different look, and you learn how to play with what you have. And this team has learned how to play without Javon Freeman Liberty. He's in the game, but he's not himself, clearly. He's not had uh, two very good ball games. But I think it's the familiarity of playing without him. And then, uh, you know, I don't want to get too ahead of the timeline here. But uh, when he's not available toward the end of the game, this team knows how to play without him. And they they knew that guys had to step up. And again, it was the seniors. It, it really was. But I will, I will add a guy who's had a really great impact on this team. And since Javon went out with Mono has been Daniel Sackey. And so you touched on the free throws for a second. Marquise Kennedy goes to the line with 3.11 left. Amber is the color of your energy, and he misses two free throws. That's a good. Uh, that's a good jam band reference, right Very there. Very good. Very Thank well you. done, Lucas Williamson. But a- a- again, Kennedy missed his two free throws, and you think, oh, maybe there's mm-hmm. a window. Yep. And then, offensive rebound, foul on Freeman Liberty. Lucas Williamson makes a two free throws, and again, I'm thinking, man, another backbreaker, right? But then, Kaiser misses that three pointer. Loyola gets the rebound. They can't score. Saki comes down, hits a three-pointer. I I sometimes cringe when Saki shoots. He's got that little hitch, but it goes in. And this kid, for as much, I mean, people were people were writing his walking papers three weeks ago. And this kid has come forward and really, really played well. And credit to him for burying that three-pointer. Donovan Clay came, comes down, blocks a shot. Valpo gets the ball back, miss a layup. You're down six with a minute 19 left. Now it's time to foul. You're starting to play out the game a little bit. You're going to put people on the line. Tate Hall goes to the line, a guy that Valpo heavily recruited. They really wanted Tate Hall. They thought they had an opportunity to get him. Loyola swooped in at the end. He goes to Loyola. The guy started every game for the Ramblers this year. He's been an excellent player, but he's an awful free throw shooter. And he missed the front end. And he missed the front end. Come down on the other end, Daniel Sackey. 
misses a three-pointer, and I thought with 52 seconds left, you have to play perfect. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, with 250 left, I thought you had to play perfect. Saki misses a three-pointer, but there's Javon Freeman Liberty, who hasn't done much in this game, grabs the offensive rebound, and makes his first shot of the game. He was every single player had made a field goal except for Javon Freeman Liberty. And I'm talking every player who stepped foot on the court for Valpo and Loyola. He makes a shot to cut it to 66-62 with 48 seconds left. So now you got a foul. What do you do? You foul Keith Clemens. you got to put somebody on the line. He's been great throughout the game, but you can't choose these things. And he misses a free throw. So now Valpo's got a chance. Ryan Fizikas. Misses the three-pointer. It was a good look. It was a good look. Good look. I I didn't... That was when I thought it was done. That was another time I was like, oh, it was a good luck. Well, okay. When Fizikas missed that three, I actually thought he didn't need to take the three there. It was a four-point game. I thought, just get to the basket. I wanted, actually, Saki to get the ball and go in the lane and try to grab contact and, and, and put it up and in and see if you could get it three the old-fashioned way there. Fizikas goes with the shot. And, and you know, it was it was a good look because I think all looks from Ryan Fizikas are good. He misses it. Clemens gets the rebound. And now Clemens makes both free throws. Mm-hmm. 68-62. Back up to six-point game, and here come the seniors. John Kaiser, three-pointer. The guy can barely walk. Moments earlier, he went down with what looked like a knee injury and limped his way down, and and he wasn't coming out of the game, you know. And he makes a three, so now you got a foul. And Valpo did a great job with their defense, and they made sure that Uguac uh, got the ball. And and I I don't remember how they all played out here because this actually says on the the timeline that it was a fast break, and and so I do know that. He misses both free throws. Kaiser with the rebound. Fizikas with a three-pointer. It's tied. With 11 seconds to go, that three was so huge. And now you've got to worry about, you've come all the way back, but Loyola's got time. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen? And Lucas Williamson turns the ball over, and Kaiser steals it. Fizikas misses a three-pointer. Kaiser gets the offensive rebound and gets murdered. Mm -hmm. And they blow the whistle, and they point to the ground, and they point, they call foul. And I'm like, oh, my God, Valpo's going to win this game at the free throw line. Yeah, but right away I was like, I did he get it off? I don't know. They're going to look at it, but I don't know if it got out of his hand before that backboard turned red. And it, and he didn't. It, it, and I talked to Kaiser after the game, and he said, no, there was no way that he got fouled before the shot. He, he knew immediately. And he said, I, he said, I was kind of hoping maybe they called it when I was going up, but uh, they knew, Valpo knew right away they were going to overtime. And I'll tell you, in that moment, I thought it was done. I thought you fought all the way back. You had, the, you had, you know, ostensibly it taken away there when they called the foul. And, and you thought for a minute that Kaiser might win it. And then, so where were you at? Did you? Th- I was on the opposite side. Okay. I okay. felt good about things now because you've come all the way back from an 18-point deficit. And the way this team plays, when they come back and erase a deficit like that, as long as there's more time on the clock, they've got a chance to score more points and win the game. The The, the, the issue is that they've run out of time in some of those comebacks. That, that is a great point because I actually think I said, I don't know if I said it on the podcast or the broadcast or at a bar, I don't know where I said it, but I did say that 
Valpo if they had 15 more seconds in either one of the games they played against Loyola in the regular season, they would have won. Well, they got five more minutes. They got five extra minutes, so that's why I'm feeling pretty good at that point. Marquise Kennedy comes out and hits a shot right away. And and when he hit that shot, when he scored first, and I thought it was interesting, Lodick put Javon Freeman Liberty in to do the jump ball with Cameron Crutwig. And Todd actually pointed out on the broadcast, he said, they're putting Javon Freeman Liberty in there because McMillan wasn't in the game. And he said, Javon has actually won some jump balls before. Well, it's against Cam Crutwig. <laughs> and and so Loyola gets the ball. You play defense right away. Crutwig hits a shot in the paint. And then here comes Javon Freeman Liberty with a little floater. These floaters, he missed his first eight shots. He made his last two. This was a 4-12 left. He hits a shot there. It was a contested floater in the lane. It was He, he missed three or four of those earlier in the game. He makes this one. A couple seconds later, he's called for his fifth foul. He's out of the game. And in comes Aaron Gordon, a guy that has not done a lot this year. He's had a couple games. He had, I think, the Bradley game mm-hmm, the at Bradley home. Game, yep. Bunch of three-pointers in the first half. He hit, what, four three-pointers mm-hmm. in the first half and played three minutes in the second half. He is He's like a utility knife that doesn't get brought out very often. But when – I mean, we'll get to Aaron Gordon in a second – so then, the, um, because of that foul, you go to the line, and here's Marquise Kennedy makes the first, misses, misses the, second. the second. And now Valpo here, they've got a chance to take the lead. First time in forever, it seems that they've got a chance to take the lead. And then you could see how tired both of these teams were. And Loyola playing just their first game, Valpo playing their second game, these guys – but. Not a lot of subbing happening in this situation. You know, Kennedy was coming in and out and everything. But you've got Kaiser blocking a shot. You've got some missed three-pointers there. Tate Hall misses a layup. Crutwig, who didn't really do much in the game. He did have 10 rebounds. He misses a shot inside. It's just you're going back and forth and a lot of missed shots over the next three minutes. And then Donovan Clay gives Valpo their first lead with a layup inside, 72-71. And... And Carl, I don't even remember this play. Like I, you know, so much has happened that I, I don't even remember what led up to Clay scoring on this layup here. I, I'm, I'm blanking myself. Yeah, I I'm, you know, because you're looking at the clock and you're thinking of scenarios and you're wondering who's going to step up and everything's going through your mind. Honestly, I don't even remember. I don't remember if it was a take, if it was a flash. I don't. Yeah. I honestly don't remember the play. Seconds later, Clemens turns the ball over, a steal by what, John Kaiser. What a play. That was so huge. I remember saying, that is big. Like, that turnover right there, that's big. And again, John Kaiser, just gutsy. I mean, just really leaving it all out there on the floor. A couple seconds later, though, Donovan Clay turns it over. Keith Clemens steals, goes to the basket, misses it. Rebound by Loyola, goes out of bounds. They get it in. Williamson takes a three. Crutwig gets the offensive rebound. They keep getting offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. And so credit to Loyola for fighting there. Crutwig misses the layup. Clay's got it. He rips the ball away, comes out with it, gives it to Saki, who... I think, you know, there was talk. I was watching the replay, and it looked like maybe Saki thought there was a whistle, and he kind of stopped moving when he had the ball. Clemens took it right away from him, went right to the basket. John Kaiser blocks the shot. John Kaiser out of nowhere, like Superman with a cape. He came out of nowhere, 
And again, I cannot say enough about uh, the heart and the desire and the drive of uh, John Kaiser. He just would not be denied last night. Loyola, the ball goes out of bounds. It's Loyola ball. There's a full timeout, final timeout. You're going to get in. You guac. You take out Tate Hall. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, the legs are shot for a lot of these guys. The idea for Loyola there in a 72-71 game is to go inside, and you've got your bigs. Both of them in there, yeah. Both of them in there, and they get it to you, Guac, who misses the shot, and then there's Cam Crutwig. And then Crutwig with the rebound again. And they call the foul on John Kaiser. Crutwig's going to go to the line. And I thought to myself, there's no way Cam Crutwig misses either one of these free throws. Really? It's just, I didn't think. I honestly thought he'd miss one. I thought he'd miss one of the two. I didn't, I didn't, I thought this is a, this is a guy who I feel is just, he just wants this game over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I just thought he's, he is, he is a guy and, and he, you know, he is, he's been in the battles for a long time. And I just thought Crutwig was going to deliver. And he did. He hit both free throws. And Even after the icing timeout, he comes out, hits the second one. Yeah, so Valpo takes a 30-second timeout. Obviously, I'm imagining Lodic has got two scenarios there, a make-or-miss scenario. And really, honestly, to be to be clear, maybe not. I because It seemed like a similar type of play. I mean, they still have to go the length of the floor regardless if you make it or miss it. Yeah, it, and Crutwig's second made free throw is, yes, I know it gives Loyola the lead, but it doesn't really change Valpo's approach, right? I mean, you're trying to score. Well, it could change your approach depending on how Loyola defends you on the inbound, but they didn't really defend that's, the inbound. Yeah, they weren't fair. putting in uh, much pressure there uh, in the backcourt, so Valpo just had a had a clean trip up the floor. 13 seconds left. Ball goes into Saki. Saki drives it down on the right side, kicks it over, as we heard from the, the at the top of the podcast, kicks it over to Kaiser, and now it's time for Kaiser to make a play. Yep. And Kaiser said... I drove hard, and Aaron Gordon's guy left him. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He was wide open. There was nobody there. They doubled down on Kai's when he was in the air. You could see. It was like almost like time stopped for me when he went up because you could even tell in his eyes he wasn't sure if he was going to shoot or if he was going to dish off. But when he saw himself getting doubled on the penetration, Gordon right there, little easy kick. And what I really liked was that this time Gordon did set himself. He came down with it, made sure he had the ball, didn't rush it, laid it in. And I had a flashback when Gordon caught the ball. I had a flashback to a regular season game at Milwaukee about eight years ago, seven years ago, when Mike Rogers got the ball underneath, and if he scores... Valpo essentially wins the Horizon League for the first time. I know there was a couple other games there, but this was one that was going to put them in like mm-hmm. great position. And I don't remember how it actually unfolded. And he was right there, and he blew the layup, and he got the rebound, and he had a better look at the second one, and he blew that one too. I remember he never really recovered from that. I saw him, uh, you know, I mean, he's he's totally fine person today. Sure, sure. Uh, I still remember seeing him the next day at the Arc. There was a women's basketball game there, and he was sitting at Sherry Williams' desk just watching the replay over and over and over again. And guys on the team were like, Mike, man, you got to move on, man. We're, we're, we're fine. We're going to be okay. And I just, when Aaron caught the ball under the basket, I flashed to that, and I thought, 
this is going to be a defining moment for Aaron Gordon in his, in Regardless his career. Of what happens here. In yeah. his career at Valpo, if he makes this, he is a hero. If he misses this, people are they're just not we're not going to forget this, mm-hmm. you know. And mm-hmm. and we're not going to you know people aren't going to forget the make either, right? It's it's interesting how how a moment like that. A simple layup. It's it's the most fundamental middle school basketball drill where you stand out of the basket and you put it up, you catch it, you put it up, you catch it, you put mm-hmm, it up. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it sometimes it's the simplest shots that make the biggest impact. And when you're watching this live, when you're watching these sorts of things happen live, that Kaiser drive, the penetration, the dish off, to me, it's like time slows down because you're not only watching a defining moment in a game. You're not only watching a defining moment of a season. You're watching quite possibly a defining moment for the program. Without question. The win last night was a program I don't want, I don't know if changing is like cuz I think we put a that's it's a defining. big word. It's, it's a, a defining. defining win for the program. I don't know if it changes anything. Yeah, it and I'll say this. Looking at Loyola's roster, Keith Clemens, Tate Hall, Marquise Kennedy are three guys at Valpo heavily recruited. And they all went to Loyola. Does this win last night change the recruiting landscape for Valpo? I don't know that it does, but you can point to something now, you know? You can absolutely point to it. And again, the further you get in this tournament, uh, you know, the bigger your chip is in that game, uh, the the higher the uh, amount. And yes, I do think exposure-wise, it does help you a little bit. Uh, But again, it helps any program. The further you get in a conference tournament, the more notoriety you get. Uh, the bigger the stage of television audience that you're playing in front of, it all helps. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking about the Horizon League, which I do every once in a while, and uh, and was was paying attention to that. And and I said last night on Twitter, I said, "Who let the Horizon League into Arch Madness?" Because <laughs> the the four, the six, the seven, and the eight all advanced, and that's what we remember from the Horizon League: the mm-hmm. craziness down the stretch in Detroit. This year, the one, two, three, and four have all made it to the semis on the Horizon League. But, it, you know, it's interesting because in the Horizon League, if you were the number one or number two seed, you got a double bye to the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Valpo, for so long there, never had to go through the opening round of the quarterfinals. They were already there. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, yes, they, they've, they're they in the semis now, so they're at the point that they would typically start their Horizon League tournament. But, man, that win last night felt like it was on par with the Green Bay win when Brokoff hit that shot, the crazy comeback, the manner in which they were able to do it, seniors making plays. It was Matt Kenny, and it was Ryan Brokoff. It was John Kaiser, and it was Ryan Fazekas. There was a lot of similarities there. And it's not lost on me, Carl, that if Valpo can beat Missouri State, they probably get Brian Wardle in the championship game. Yeah, and wouldn't that be a nice little uh, little nugget uh, to have there? A little bit of history, as we all know, uh, with uh, with uh, Brian Wardle versus Valparaiso in postseason play. Looking at Missouri State, because that's that's the one to look at here. Actually, let, let me take you back one more moment about this. The final the final play, uh, I saw. I actually walked off the court alongside Aaron Gordon. Um, just the way that, I mean, I grabbed my stuff and was walking out and he was doing some post-game interviews and, and we were going the same way. And I saw him and I, and I said, Aaron, what's up? What's good? That's what he, I mean, he always, on his videos that he does on YouTube, he always says to people, what's good? And I said, Aaron, what's good? And he said, 
that was John Kaiser's play. I just made the layup. All I had to do was make a layup. And then and then I heard him. He rounded the corner, and he went in the locker room, and I started screaming, and I just heard him yell, that was your play, that was your play. And Ron Blatz was in the locker room, uh, broadcast coordinator of Valley on ESPN at Valparaiso University. And uh, on his video, just to see Gordon and Kaiser share and embrace while that whole thing is unfolding, that right there, that to me is the poster for this team because they are close. These are this team has really come together and when you are down by as many points as they've been down so many times this season and come all the way back, won some, lost some, that brings you together because it's one team, one boat, baby. <laughs> they were gritty. <laughs> they were gritty. <laughs> Valpo on January 23rd went to the JQH Arena in Springfield, Missouri, and they were down 36 to 16 at the half. And they clawed back. Yes, they did. They came back in the second half. Javon Freeman Liberty, 4 of 18 from the floor and 1 of 10 from the three point line. Donovan Clay missed all five three pointers. Aaron Gordon started in that game, he missed all five three pointers. Fazekas was back. He knocked down a couple, but he fouled out in 21 minutes. It was a brutal game for Valpo. It The score looked respectable, but they lost. They outscored Missouri State by 12 in the second half. And if I'm trying to remember if they actually got it to within, uh, I think the closest they actually got it was late. You know, Freeman Liberty made a couple free throws late in the game. Um, I don't think they ever really really got going in that game. They they had it down to 12, I think, at one point. This was a game where Missouri State scored the first seven points of the game, and they were up 10-2 to two by the right after the first media timeout. It was just a brutal, brutal game. Actually, I think they had it down to eight. My, that's that's my fault. We got it down to an eight uh, after a Malik McMillan three okay. in that game, but okay. that, we never got any closer than that. Yeah. And then on February 25th, the last game of the regular season at the Arc on Senior Day, Valpo needing a win in order to set themselves up to avoid playing on Thursday, they come out and they play an amazing second half, and they pull this out, 89-74. Excellent game for Valpo across the board. Donovan Clay, 11 of 17. They played without Javon Freeman Liberty, who this is the first game that he was out with mono. 22 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, 8 assists for John Kaiser in the game. 20 points for Fazekas. He knocked down five three-pointers like he did last night against Loyola. Saki played excellent in his return to the starting lineup. Zion Morgan played 15 good minutes in that game. And let me tell you something. Don't rule out Zion Morgan having an impact in this tournament still. Valpo's got to be gassed, but they've got a couple guys in reserve. Zion Morgan's one of them. Aaron Gordon's another one. That although he made the big play, he hasn't played a ton of minutes. I suspect just the nature of the way things are going to go, you're going to see Zion Morgan, I think, make some contributions to this team against Missouri State. Yeah, I, you raise a good point. He could be, uh, he could come through in a big way for you. What I really liked, what I, I am liking what I have seen in this tournament has been sort of the emergence of Ben Crickey. He has played very, very well in these two games. And you can just see the maturity happening with him. Uh, and uh, in the last game against uh, Missouri State, 14 points for the big man off the bench. Uh, two of three from behind the three-point arc in that game. So Ben Crickey 
could he be someone who, again, will step up for you the way he did on Friday, or on Thursday, rather. And another player to consider, too, is Malik McMillan, a guy who has not played a lot in the first two games. I know that the heavy hitters for Valpo, Donovan Clay played 42 minutes last night. The guys, I mean... But He's got to be tired. they got to be tired, right? <laughs> now, that said, they're 18- to 22-year-old kids, and this is what you play for. This is what you're here for. And I'll also tell you this. All of these guys play AAU basketball, where they have played four games in a day and with, with, with some regularity, right? Um, I, it's, I, I don't know how much we look at the, the fatigue as a factor. Now, look, Missouri State they're going to have the advantage there. They're probably position by position going to have the advantage at almost every turn in terms of the most talented players. I'll tell you this, Valpo has looked to be the best team out of the two. Missouri State's got the best players. Valpo's got the best team. And again, the idea is if you jump on them early, you know, but I again, I think this is interesting. If you're Missouri State, I always thought, it, how engaged are you? You got high major transfers, do you know? But now the NCAA tournament's right there, right? The big dogs are all gone, and I know Bradley's the top remaining seed. But if I'm handicapping this thing, I think Missouri State's the favorite to go to the NCAA tournament out of this. They're picked to win the league for a reason. They've got the most talent, and a lot of times in March, the talent is what gets you there. Mm-hmm. Valpo, if they can win this game, maybe they become the favorites. It could be. I mean, a, a Valpo-Bradley final, surely you think, well, I don't know. I can't pick who would be favored in that game. No, I can't pick. You know what? And I think Missouri State's the favorite right now. Yes. But if anything this weekend has taught us, throw out all conventional wisdom, right? Drake probably win this thing. So far, <laughs> it, 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 it very well could happen. You mentioned uh, how engaged is Missouri State going to be as a team? The other question is, how gauged are they going to be? As in Gage Prim, 17 points yesterday, and he is just, he is a force in the middle. I mean, a la Cam Crutwig, I think uh, in, in, in some ways, he frightens me even more in the middle uh, because of just how tough and physical he has been, uh, especially the second half of the season. Yeah, Gage Prim at 17-10 and 10 against Valpo at the arc, 9-10 of 10 from the free throw line. This is a team that can make free throws. So they're not going to do you a lot of favors. They're not going to make mistakes from the line there. Now I'll also say they turn the ball over a lot, and Prim is somebody when Valpo doubles in the post they can and traps in the post, I think they can force Prim into kind of dribbling into some trouble a little bit. So that will certainly be uh, something to watch out for. Tulio Da Silva was a guy last year who took this league by storm. And actually, I voted Tulio Da Silva to be the preseason player of the year, and the guy's been on a melt carton for the entire season. I don't know what to expect from him. Missouri State's season kind of changed when they put Ross Owens in the starting lineup down the stretch. Dana Ford talked a lot about that. Uh, in the days leading up to Arch Madness. And, they, like, they just they got players, right? They go 8, 9, 10 deep. Ford Cooper is one of the top recruits in the conference, and he has really struggled to get some playing time. Again, they have depth. You'll hear from Dana Ford in a second here when he talks about what that depth means for his team. And I, it just it doesn't feel like a good matchup for Valpo, but you'll take it. You'll take anything at this point. Right? Absolutely. You'll take playing in the semis against anyone. Absolutely. 
Valpo rolled their way to the semis. They they are they're they're one of four remaining teams. By the time they take the court, they'll be one of three remaining teams. And uh, I gotta tell you, it's something special. Feels like it's happening right now with this team to overcome the the absolute frustration that Javon Freeman Liberty has gone through over the first two games. I, I don't really know what else to put it. And, and I guess I'm gonna end with this idea. Put yourself in Matt Lodick's shoes. Do you dance with the guy who brought you, or do you realize he doesn't have it? You know, they took him out of the game midway through the second half last night, and that's when Valpo started getting back in the game. How do you manage? I mean, how do you manage that, right? Like, if you're if you got Drew Brees and he throws four interceptions in the first half, do you put Bridgewater in in the second half, or do you let Brees play it out? I think you got to go with. I think you've got to go with uh, who's gotten you to this point. And again, I know that he's battled through some adversity, but I don't see how you don't start Javon, how you you don't lean on him and let him continue to try to make plays. Because again, if you try it and it's not working, you can always take him out and do do what they did yesterday. But I think you've got to give it a go. You've got to have him be the guy uh, because he hasn't been the guy in his first two games. And because of that, maybe he is one of the more rested guys uh, out of that starting five. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't know if rested is the word, but maybe uh, maybe there's a switch there. Well, he's also due. Yeah, he's you due. Could say that. We'll he's put due. that. He is one of the guys that is due. There's been a lot of heroes in the first 85 minutes of this conference tournament. Dan, Daniel Sackey, John Kaiser, Ryan Fazekas, Aaron Gordon, obviously. Some of the guys that we thought would be the heroes, Javon Freeman-Liberty, Malik McMillan, they, they have not necessarily done anything yet, and this seems like a good stage. It, yeah, and it's just who's, who's going to step up? Who's going to be the guy? And a lot of guys have shown a lot of leadership uh, and stepped up when they had to. You said it, man. (laughs) You said it. It it don't matter to Valpo. (laughs) Big Lebowski. It's great. All right. We're going to hear from uh, Coach Dana Ford from Missouri State right now, who uh, I had a chance to meet up with after the game. And uh, and then uh, that'll be a wrap for this episode of Union Street Hoops. Carl, thank you again for joining. It's been a blast. Obviously, we're going to keep this going. We'll have another episode tomorrow. Either we'll be previewing the title game or we'll be putting a bow on Arch Madness. played Valpo a couple days ago. It feels like a couple days ago, although it's almost an eternity now. Um, just uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about this game? What do you see going into it? Well, I mean, obviously there's a lot at stake. Um, I think that's that's where you start. Um, they're 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 a really good team. Um, they're such they're such a difficult matchup to guard with their motion and athleticism, their shooting. Um, we, we just you know, we don't have our hands full um, because of their. I mean, they're just you know they're, they're, they they can match our athleticism in certain areas and. Um, they shoot the basketball so well, and, and they're high. I mean, they're playing well. I mean, you know, any time you play in the playing game, you make the it's the semis now, right? Yeah. I, mean, I don't think that's ever happened to happen today. I mean, so you got to tip your hat. They got all conference first team guard and Freeman, and 
their other guys are playing so good. Fasikas, Fasikas is the key. You know, he just he makes them better. He's been out, but when he's in there, they're really good. You and, and in the course of the game, you're probably not thinking about this, but when you look back at it now, I don't think any one of your guys played more than 30 minutes in this game. You play the late game. You've got the quickest turnaround here. How obviously you're going to get them off their legs, get fluids in them, but how important is it to? grab as much of that rest as, as you could is a game that you were able to pull away from. You never really let them get back into it to the point that you could get some rest. Well, we, we've got so many guys, and in my opinion, no one should ever play over 30 minutes, and, and the only time we've had to do that this year is when we feel like people aren't playing hard, but you know, right now, most of our guys, if not all, are, are playing hard. So, um, obviously, it's important to, to get as much rest as possible and to keep these guys as, as fresh as, as possible. But um, I think the credit belongs to our players for, for going out there and playing. If you play as hard as you're supposed to, you can't play 30 minutes. I mean, you should be playing 20-something minutes.